0: Pharmacy is changing, it's, it's dramatic. The changes that I've seen since 2004 entering the pharmacy space, technology specifically, institutional long-term care pharmacy systems. And in 2004, we were really focused on provider status and we weren't focused on the opioid epidemic from a pharmacist perspective, understanding that most of those patients suffering with OUD were probably comorbid where they're suffering with some other mental illness, depression, diabetes, hypertension, something. So much has accelerated in the last five years for the opportunities pharmacists have as well as organizations have to make changes, uh, to couple and to embrace technologies. Uh, We all know telehealth with the pandemic right now is completely booming processes to care for patients from the hospital system to home care are now being coupled and pharmacists are leading those processes and policies and development of how that happens. I've talked with so many independently owned community pharmacies and how the handholding between health system and community pharmacy has accelerated. When we talk about these kinds of changes, we need people in our organizations, when we need people in the industry to help guide us in developing innovative strategies, accelerated strategies, so that we can keep up with the demand that's coming. Because the key word in what I'm explaining to you listeners, my dear pharmacy podcast nation, is the world of this vaccine coming that's going to really I believe be another level up for pharmacists in leading healthcare and communities. My name is Todd Yuri. This is the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. This is the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I have a special guest today that we'll be talking with Dr. Kimber Booth. She's an innovator. She's a connector. Now on the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Pharmacy Podcast Nation. You got to listen in every Tuesday to stay up to date on the most recent medication therapy topics. Game Changers creates awareness about pharmacotherapy and clinical practice changes that can significantly impact pharmacy practice. Every Tuesday, a new episode of Game Changers is published on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. And always remember the pharmacist is the hub of healthcare. So Kimber helps pharmacists strategically advocate for roles and resources to advance practice and and accelerate what she would call joyful, engaging careers rather than someone who wakes up in the morning takes their shower gets ready for work gets into their car or on the bus and starts to their job and and feels horrible the pit of your stomach it's a knot you're feeling nauseated because you don't want to go to that environment that is not what we want for pharmacists we want you to be joyous excited energized to go to your place of work um, as a servant leader and embrace your environment As well as most importantly, your patients. So, I always look for people to join the Pharmacy Podcast Network to give our listeners more advisement and more leadership in their roles, which ultimately impact patients. So, I want to welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network Dr. Kimber Booth. Welcome to Pharmacy Podcast Land.
1: Thank you, Todd. It is fantastic to be joining the Pharmacy Podcast Network and to share my mission and vision for the future of healthcare and pharmacy practice.
0: Thank you so much. And and the reason that Kimber is so key in in growing the network, because I don't stop, I'm constantly looking for other facets of the industry to embrace and build out. We have focus on women in pharmacy. We have focus on senior care. Community Pharmacy, PBM Reform. Um, Dr. Madeline Aquiano concentrates on residency. Dr. Tony Guerra concentrates on residency and really coaching how to write letters, how to get your interview in line. So when you and I started talking, uh, Kimber, I got excited because your background is in health system and the Pharmacy Podcast Network, especially with key partnerships like we're, um going to be uh, rolling out Omnicells podcast on this network specific for health system you focused on health system for some time so give this give the listeners a little background on yourself and how you have strategically planted yourself in a sector of pharmacy as a leader to really help elevate not only the individual but also the organization
1: Absolutely. So I I've been a pharmacist now, actually for over 20 years, practicing pharmacist mostly in health systems in a variety of roles from a clinical pharmacist and specialist um, advancing to um, director of clinical services to ultimately being a system director of pharmacy. So I have served in a variety of roles and supported the growth of our pharmacy enterprises is what we call our health systems because health system pharmacy touches so many aspects of the full integrated model where we have so many touch points as an integrated health system with patients related to their medications. And so I've had those leadership roles. I did also spend 10 years in the pharmaceutical industry. And that has also fueled my interest for strategic innovation. And so I was able to take some of that learning and apply it to health systems, where we know that historically, pharmacy is always trying to do more with less. And while there is growing needs and demands for um, optimizing medication use, we are not getting the resources. So I was able to, six years ago, in my health system leadership role, advocate for and create business plans that added over 50 positions to our department to advance services on the acute care side, and then a second plan that enhanced services in our ambulatory clinics And I've continued to do that over the last five years for the health systems I've worked for, as well as through now my entrepreneurial efforts. My motto is pharmacy can do more with more. And it is my goal to help increase the demand for pharmacy staff, both pharmacists and technicians to enhance pharmacy practice and ultimately address the quadruple aim to improve patient care, improve patient engagement, reduce costs and improve provider engagement.
0: Kimber, what does it mean to be a connector coach? I've seen this on your website. I've read this about you. You've talked about it, but share this with the listeners. What does that mean to be a connector coach?
1: Yes. And so I definitely call myself a a connector. Um, it, It came, you know, years ago, people just... That's what they called me from uh, my mindset of how I looked at things. And it was always important for me to connect the dots of what we were doing to make sure we were working on the most important things that would drive both our business and our outcomes for the patients we served. So that always stuck with me that people just would would say I was a connector. It was just a terminology that was used. And so I always speak in my leadership roles about connecting the dots and always going back to what is our mission and vision? Then what strategy do we create? How do we support our development of our staff and our team and ensure we have the right resources to achieve all that? And ultimately that we're able to execute on that. So when I say I'm this strategic and connector coach, I am trying to teach people those um, the knowledge and skills and competencies that support that. So again, that is why I've used that term and is ironically why um, after I had so much support from that and a few years ago when I was recognized in Connecticut with the Meritorious Achievement Award through the Connecticut Society of Health System Pharmacists because of some of these business plans uh, and I had this in my, in my um, documentation about being a connector and, and the audience really loved it. And so that is really why I have used that term more and more in my business. It is actually why my logo for my business has circles, uh, which are the dots that I'm trying to connect and and help people serve. So I want to help other people, you know, be connectors because they can be effective at connecting and uniting the people, knowledge, and resources that we need to be successful in both our professional and even in our personal lives, um, to bring that additional energy and clarity that we need to excel.
0: What do you think the number one barrier to a health system pharmacy department is in really being able to set the bar for patient care at bedside, but then after that patient leaves to ensure that they've continued their therapy so that they're not coming back to the hospital and blowing up costs and possibly even uh, getting even sicker because there there's no adherence what does a health system pharmacy have to embrace and or adopt that they didn't 10 or 20 years ago that's different today because it's much more holistic it's much more 360 degree care but what are your ideas around that
1: Yeah, the biggest word that comes to mind with that, and it's something I promote a lot, is is accountability. And so I think it is this thinking of the pharmacy enterprise and all of the touch points that that patient has and ensuring that the pharmacy department is taking accountability for any time a medication is being used, prescribed, administered, within our health systems and supporting the patient when they're using those medications at home. So to me, it's described in that word of accountability. You know, And historically, um, we've definitely seen some of this, but it's maybe been just on the focused acute care side. And there's been increasing changes to focus on the high-risk transitions of care and doing the follow-up visits afterwards, as well as optimizing the various other locations where our patients are getting their medications from whether it's a specialty pharmacy, a home infusion pharmacy, or an infusion center, or regular medications they're getting from their community pharmacy. Um, It's ensuring that all of that is a safe and integrated process. And that is part of the reason why I have enjoyed working with health systems is because there is support for some of that integration because of the access where we do have more team members employed or you know based in our ambulatory clinics, working directly with those providers and being fully integrated and practicing under collaborative practice agreements, it does help with the, the flow of information. But in addition to that, we do have to partner with other physicians and pharmacists that are outside of our health system to ensure those safe transitions of care and the communication of information. So so for me it all goes back to accountability. And then my other big topic is, is the resources. So I do think that we have to maximize and not do more with less. We need to do more with more to establish this and justifying the additional roles that we need to ensure this accountability is, is critical. And so typically, maybe health systems would not have focused responsibility on some of their integrated clinics. But How can we ensure that we as pharmacists are responsible for the medications used in ambulatory clinics and the meds that are being prescribed and not just in the hospital acute care setting? We need to be fully accountable, but also have the resources to do that. We don't necessarily have the resources. And historically, we have had to focus on the sickest patients while they're in the hospital and didn't necessarily have the time to be fully integrated. So my goal is to help justify those resources. And at the end of the day, with the business plans that I help write um, or support my my students and clients in writing, there is justification. It's not always perfectly easy, a clear return on investment, uh, but there are definitely well-documented studies, research, um, and practice models that do show the benefit of the pharmacist. And I wanna make sure we speed up that transition because it's taking too long to fully integrate pharmacists. And every day we miss, every day we wait, you know, patients are having poorer outcomes because they don't have access to integrated um, pharmacy services.
0: I couldn't have asked for a better transition to this next question, Uh, Kimber, you're You're getting me excited for multiple reasons. Just the fact that you uh, see this in a very strategic manner and you have plans for these health system organizations to methodically put things in practice to really um, push them forward and get them connected with the community in ways that they're not, you know, Back in when I was younger, and now I'm starting to feel older the more that I podcast an interview, <laughs> the the hospital was not connected with our community pharmacy. It, it the only way that the only way they were is they'd send the prescription to them. That was it. It was a very transactional relationship. Today we know with the spiraling cost of healthcare that if we don't interconnect medication management, follow up. Um, spiraling prescribing or cascading prescribing, as they call it, there's going to be some major issues. You said something about accelerating these processes. And and here's the thing as we speak right now. We know about the challenges and the opportunities that pharmacy has because of this pandemic. COVID-19 has accelerated the whole acceptance and adoption of telehealth and pharmacy counseling and follow-up. And so how has that taken effect in your opinion, that acceleration of acceptance of pharmacy affected health system pharmacy? And how do you see future develop development of processes and strategies preparing us for the next pandemic that, that may hit us and or epidemics that hit us or even regional sicknesses that 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 will hit us what what's your view on on how covid-19 has affected us as a as a pharmacy
1: Yeah, it's definitely a big impact. And I've, you know, been honored, um, because even though this year has been an exciting year for me being becoming a full time entrepreneur, really focused on this mission of really increasing the demand for pharmacists has been my goal. And I do think that the pandemic has has highlighted the need for pharmacists. But I also think there's been some challenges too, where because we're still not always recognized, there are some challenges. So Um, At at, at baseline, though, I have been, again, blessed and honored to be able to work with some of the clients, consulting clients that I have, working with them on their COVID response plans. And even though I'm no longer a direct director of health system pharmacy, I have in my consulting role been able to help um, and do have some articles coming out on, on how we've worked through these initiatives Definitely, the telehealth has been very positive. So I think that when my goal is to ensure that we have one pharmacist for every three primary care physicians and you know one pharmacist dedicated to every um, five or so specialists in our ambulatory clinics, you know, that is a challenge when it, when the locations of your clinics, I mean, health systems can have 250, 300, 500 clinics associated with that health system, and they can be spread out, you know, across a state, across multiple counties, and having the requirement of kind of going and going to those clinic locations can make it difficult. And the the advent or the adoption, I should say, the faster adoption of telehealth has been critical to establishing that model where the pharmacist is still integrated through the electronic health record and having a virtual visit with a patient um, from a variety of locations, they can serve more clinics and serve the highest risk patients without having to be there. So I think that's huge. And I see that as a huge benefit um, for sure. I think that um, overall pharmacy has been a little, I think underrepresented in the media uh, during the pandemic. And while we do see the role we've had very few interviews happen in the media with pharmacists so I would love to see more advancement of that in communicating because we know that within our health systems in our communities we are serving a major role to assess patients get them the right care that they need and address all of the issues that have come up during the pandemic whether it is making sure in our health systems especially they've had to deal with drug shortages um, the higher acuity of patients and surges of patients, the management just deciding what drugs are we gonna use for treating COVID and and assessing and analyzing all the data that is coming in every day to say, okay, one day we're using this med, no, the next day we're not because new data is coming in all the time and we wanna do the most um, effective therapy that we know. Um, But that's been a challenge and an opportunity and where I do see we have raised the bar where I do see some challenges and where I've been disappointed is I know that health systems because of lower um, as health systems made the decision to stop doing elective surgery so that they had bed space for um, increasing volumes of patients with coronavirus that is negatively impacted the finances of probably every health system in this country. And without having full, support from the government there are challenges and decisions that those health systems are making and it's been unfortunate for many of them and i because of my roles with my my regional my state and other roles and my consulting clients i do talk and work with health systems across the country and so in the northeast where they had the major surges they were underwater and having to staff up really early on you know new york connecticut and we all know how how that was um shared early on and but other states during that period of time had to furlough and stop and for me that was such a disappointment because as i i know that the data shows my opinion is that pharmacy is doing more with less and so during a pandemic i really wish we had taken that opportunity rather than hospitals furloughing pharmacy staff Where could we do the services we really want to be doing? We may have less patients in the acute care setting, but there's still so many patients that have needs. And I did see a lot of positive um, aspects of that where pharmacy did take on more ambulatory care, trying to make sure that the patients do not have care gaps during the crisis, I saw more and more of that, but there were definitely some health systems that had to make those decisions. And I really just wish we had taken on that opportunity instead of furloughing that we could have done all the things we wanted to do. What patients could those pharmacy team members have seen, have had done services for where those patients would be in a better place now if we could have transitioned their role? So I think it's, it's both models and I'm definitely looking forward to how we'll be able to respond as we do have a vaccine and we can continue with this enhanced uh, telehealth um, integration model. Uh, And again, on the acute care side, it definitely was key for me again in showing folks that We do need staff and most of these hospitals that went through surges saw huge increases in their ICU population and making sure that leadership teams know that while the overall census of our hospitals may have been down, the acuity and illness of these patients who are there for 20, 30 days in ICUs, way more ICU patients than they normally have, 150%, 200% increase in ICU patients helping support each of those ICU patients is like caring for several floor patients and making sure that our leadership understands that while the total census may be down, we still need to resource our staff to support all of these critical needs. So again, bottom line is it's twofold, very positive in many ways, but still has revealed um, longstanding, I think, beliefs, about the value of pharmacy that we need to continue to address and and overcome.
0: 6,146 active hospitals in the United States with expense spiraling up to $1.1 trillion. So when you're talking about injecting ideas of process change, um, adherence strategies, bedside to home uh, strategies, uh, hand-holding with the community pharmacy, uh, getting involved with a consultant pharmacist that can follow the patient from the bedside back to their home or back to the nursing home or assisted living center. This is all extremely sticky. And I, and I think that we're finally realizing as a pharmacy industry that we have to stop with these silos not in specialty practice per se and or focus on a specific disease state we know that that's necessary infectious disease we know that's that's necessary but i'm talking about the care of the patient pull down the silos stop the you know the the zero and one type of care and start allowing it to flow from one sector of pharmacy to the next ensuring that the baton that's that's handed off to the next pharmacist is done so and in probably being the community pharmacy and they're re- they're ready and they're willing, the education differences that are being adopted and practiced and moved as business processes and business strategies in community pharmacy is night and day just in even in the last 10 years, which is just amazing. Who is your, if you look out there, 6,100 pharmacies, Kimber, who is your client? Is it the entity, the, the health system itself? or is it the individual, or is it a little bit of both?
1: It is a little bit of both and mostly in the pharmacy department. And while, you know, definitely there's part of me who wants to speak to the CFOs, the chief financial officers to, you know, advocate for the role of pharmacy. um, My main uh, client that I'm trying to support is the, both the current and aspiring pharmacy leaders within our health system, pharmacy departments um, and, supporting them and I like to call them the intrapreneurs and you may I know you've talked uh, that has come up in other podcast episodes on the pharmacy podcast network where um, it's in supporting the innovation and entrepreneurial behaviors within our health Systems within our organizations? How can we practice those entrepreneurial behaviors? And so I do support both individuals through the one-on-one coaching that I provide, or when people do decide to take my course, um, my online course, which is called Pharmavation for pharmacy and innovation, where I teach some of these skills in a facilitated model. Um, I'm also trying to support my, when I do consulting, I'm usually you know, the chief pharmacy officer or pharmacy director is hiring me to help them with an aspect of their strategic planning, a need to do a business plan and or help execute on a business plan. Um, I'm also trying to definitely involve those leaders in identifying their staff who would be interested in taking my course. So I'm, I'm definitely reaching out more over these next few months to engage them so that besides the individuals deciding to learn these skills, that the pharmacy department themselves as part of their development goals for their staff would consider sending a group of pharmacists or technicians you know i actually did yesterday uh, uh, because of the, this time frame around pharmacy week and technician day you know the role of the technician is critical too and they can definitely benefit from some from these tools as well so it's it's both Um, But I do have it in my long range plan to still advocate. I have actually spoken at the, for example, the Kentucky Hospital Association meeting. Um, I did do a partner presentation with my chief operating officer because I do think showing to other Healthcare leaders, health system leaders, the value of pharmacy is critical. So I will continue to to advocate and do those kind of talks. But my main customer that I want to support is the pharmacist, and helping them to be bolder to advocate for resources, so they aren't stuck having uh, knowing that they could be doing more if they just had the right resources. And when I when I use the term resources, I you've mentioned some technology and. When I do talk about resources, while people and getting more people to do it is critical, getting the technology to do it as well, you know, so making sure we have the right technology for telehealth, dispensing, all the, the potential electronic health record, interoperability, and sharing of information, all of that is critical for us to also justify to ensure practice um, advancement.
0: Yes. the I'm glad you mentioned pharmacy technician. That role is expanding and changing because it needs to backfill what pharmacists are now going to be doing. Much more hands-on, much more follow-up, much more consultative. It's very exciting, especially when we start seeing pharmacists going into primary care offices and becoming a, a cycling Uh, consultant to the primary care and saying to the physician, give me your sickest of sick, the ones that are on the most medications so that I can sit down with that 20% of your patient population and do a medication review to catch something that you might uh, not have caught just because of how busy you are. So I think that these roles for uh, pharmacy in the health system space, and I think of several of our um, of our podcasters, Dr. William Amarque is in health system pharmacy. He always is tweeting about what's happening in his health system and how he's making an impact. Dr. Madeline Aquiano, um, in as as the Lux pharmacist, she is amazing at understanding how her care and suggestions to other providers, to the nurses she works with, to the dietitian that she works with, to the physician that that are there. And the respect that is now flowing, and I'm not saying it's a perfect world. We know it's not a perfect world, but the respect now that's coming from the physician and the nurse practitioners and the the floor staff for the for the pharmacist, it is changing. I can, I can definitely see a temperature change and more acceptance of that. And uh, pharmacists are advocating for leadership roles now in those health systems. So I think that you're going to be able to accelerate some of that energy as well as giving them direction and how to do it because you went to pharmacy school you went to six years eight years of experience and in residency and, and what you did and working with and And now it's time to elevate your career and your impact to the organization that you are part of. Reaching out to Kimber Booth is going to be part of that strategy. I am so excited, Kimber, that you have joined the Pharmacy Podcast Network so that we can get your messaging out to more listeners, understanding what you're doing to help them ultimately help patients. Because this podcast network It's really it's about the patient. It it I feel like I'm a domino player, and the dominoes that I'm setting up are purposely designed for the pharmacist. But when that domino falls and you catch it as a pharmacist, as a listener right now, you're jogging, you're in your car right now, you're listening. These programs are purposely designed to elevate you as an effective healthcare provider. You are a provider. Don't let anyone tell you any differently. You've been a provider since the beginning of pharmacy. Um, and, and I'm excited, Kimber, that you're part of this network. And we're looking forward to um, upcoming episodes. As a connector, your show notes um, are very important. So we're going to have an ability to reach out to Kimber and to ask questions or network or get in connected with her through LinkedIn. But regardless, we want to accelerate your messaging Kimber on this platform and, and we can't wait.
1: Thank you, Todd. It's an honor to be joining the network and appreciate everything you've done to advocate for the profession of pharmacy. I've gotten so much value from the network and I'm so pleased to be able to to share and support your listeners to advance practice to show that pharmacy can do more with more.
0: Absolutely. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. We were talking with Dr. Kimber Booth. She is the connector life. She is a connector herself, a strategist. Please reach out to her, learn more about her, connect with her on LinkedIn. Uh, Once again, all in the show notes. And if you want to look her up, it's Kimber, K-I-M-B-E-R, Booth, B-O-O-T-H-E.com. And as always, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.